Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Chris Evans here. Welcome to the latest stellar installment of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up now, the chef that you could swear by. Gordon Ramsay tells us all about his brand new BBC One game show, Bank Balance. The always hilarious Rob Beckett chat series three of Rob and Ramesh versus plus the new season of the funniest podcast in the world. It's official. Lockdown parenting hell. I love it. Survival King Bear Grylls, Swashbuckles, his way through the new Choose Your Own Adventure special Animal on the loose his movie a you versus wild film on netflix via sky q and england and arsenal legend ian wright has us all in tears with tales of the uk's most inspiring people in his brand new podcast ian wright's everyday people all of that and loads more still to come now dapper dave tell us who is our first guest he's put down the rolling pin and now you're in with a chance to win his new game show bank balance starts tomorrow night on bbc one and it really is something to swear by so ladies and gentlemen please welcome of a man that famously puts the F in chef. It's the one and only Gordon Ramsay. All right, Ramsay. <laughs> Morning, mate. Morning, team. How are you? I'm very well, Thank you. How are you? How's the family? Yeah, no, everybody's good. Everybody's great. Thanks. Um, right, th- this show, 9 p.m. BBC One. Is it a strip yeah. show? Is it a weekly show, Gordon? How's it working? Yeah, so we're going to go out for 10 days. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then again for the final week, Wednesday, mm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday with a comic release special. So, yeah, it's a big one. Okay, now that reminds reminds me of the first ever Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I don't know right. whether this is a fact lost on you, but that went out as a pilot um, series 10 nights in a row. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? No, I didn't. No, no you've just raised the temperature even more now. But um, <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, you know how devastating this lockdown has been for all of us. Yeah. Um, so this idea sort of came out of that and it started last March. And then you sort of you cling on to something that is super exciting. Then you think, no, stay calm, stay calm. We developed, 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 got out of lockdown last July, um, got into the studio, started building this thing, and would you believe here we are? Right, so as you as you, you, you know, in Kitchen Nightmares, as you go into kitchens and say, look, I, this is what I do for a living, you think you do it for a living, but this is what I do for a living, and I'm going to fix this for you. Did you have a sort of game show nightmare equivalent of that in, in the research and development of this? Uh, yes, I did, if I'm honest. Um, you know, we had some, you know, seriously talented individuals that sit and sort of compose these ideas but when it goes into that practical format then it's missing some some pressure so i i sort of i build that up um i want to see that level of intensity but uh yeah it all came crashing down last may when it wasn't quite working and we couldn't quite get the sort of pressure you know across those 12 questions and then you, you focus again but um, that goes down to the team, right? And so I love to put myself under that kind of pressure. And I'm saying to them, look, ramp it up, ramp it up. Um, and yeah, we, we finally got there. I'm so pleased. Now, it's very interesting to see you hosting this show um, because <laughs> when I when I first started hosting game shows on telly, I had some coaching from a guy called William G. Stewart. He used to present 15 to 1, but of course, as well as doing wow. that brilliantly, he is this legend. Yeah. And there is there is definitely a choreography to game show <laughs> hosting. Were you, were you um, privy to that? at all did you have a coach 
Um, do you know, I had just great producers, great directors in a way that, you know, they've been there, done that. And we had, you know, some serious members from the chase that were, you know, instrumental in putting that success together. So, you know, you know, what it's like you, you, you need to sort of get rid of the control jacket, get produced, <laughs> get told off, get told where to stand, shouted at, screamed at. And all of a sudden, right. two, three weeks later, you get your acting. <laughs> right, let's, but now we're getting to the skinny. So, who had the, who had the goal? Who had the tenacity to to pin you up against the one? Say, Gordon, don't do it like that. You need to do it like this. Uh, I was an amazing lady called Sue, uh, exec producer, and yeah. Richard, who uh, directed it. Yeah, they uh, they, gave, they they gave it to me uh, full on, double barrel, and we were filming it elsewhere. You know, it's like there. The yeah. pressure's on even more because you know the sort of just the archive and the pressure walking into those studios and then filming in the bubble, which was even more difficult. So, yeah, it's a tough, you know, it's a tough gig when you're hosting something as live, but you're not live, but it, it has to be shot as live. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. So, so, so you have this pilot. It's a pilot series. You have a pilot series of ten shows. You, from what yes. you just told me, I presume you're also filming in the He Wants to Be a Millionaire studio as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was similar in terms of the backdrop. We we wanted to design a, a sort of a backdrop that looks somewhat unique. So this vault is like set in a spaceship. It's yeah, shimmering, yeah. glittering. You walk up the stairs and kills. Then you go for it. You're twelve questions away from hundred grand, but. Um, listen, presenting one show is tough enough. Presenting a show that you've created is even more pressure. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a long time coming. But it's, tomorrow night, we go live. It's interesting because, you know, I watched it last night. I thought, there's so, there's so much of a story going on here. Why has Gordon done this? Why has he gone into it? Why not, of course? The answer to that is always why not, right? But I think it's quite, it's quite an interesting narrative. Now, you know, Cellador, Paul Smith... Um, Jasper Cara, uh, all the yeah. people behind Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, went on to set it into 127 territories. Now, there's right. money in them there, Game Show Hills. So you're yeah. piling to get here in the UK. Because one of my questions was going to be was where did the show come from? But it's it's an sure. original show. So so it's not, right. it's not a proven winner anywhere else. So this, this, is, no. this is it, isn't it? It's tomorrow night on yeah. BBC One. For the, it's the world premiere. Yeah, no, it is. And you know the pressure when you launch something new. There's going to be your naysayers and, you know, that's not... Uh, it's not good enough, but uh, there's so much gone into it, Chris, and uh, it looks beautiful. It comes across, you know, somewhat unique. And listen, I have to say a big thank you to the DC because they've been super supportive about something being created in lockdown yeah. that's been part of that TV exemption bubble that, fingers crossed, um, can bring light and joy across the nation. But you know what I'm like, a bit like you, one thing at a time, and don't worry about the US, don't worry about... The Australian version. Focus on the UK first. I've been trying to think of a game show format for years and years, and I, you know, I've had a few on, really? on the. But yeah, just as a bit of fun, as a hobby almost. Yeah. Um, but I always put it up against the um, the Holy Grail of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which, and I saw sure. I, I saw the um, original pitch document for that, and it was four pieces of A4 stapled in the left hand corner, and and it, that's and it was it was literally perfection on on a, on the page. And yeah. every time I come up with anything, I go, yeah, is it? Does it come close to that? No, it doesn't come close to that. Okay, yeah, move on. So I can't. I can't wait to see what happens with this. Um, favorite game shows of of, the, of yours? Um, right now, I, I love what um, Jeremy's done with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because mm-hmm. it's sort of stern and just this, this kind of you know deep voiced uncle that you just feel confident with, yeah. and he gets to answer some of the questions with. So I'd say Jeremy currently. Okay, all right, pal. Well, good luck, Gordon, and um, thanks, mate. Come and see us when you can. I look forward to it. Stay well and congrats. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Celeb chef Gordon Ramsay turned game show host with a brand new original game show format on primetime, 9pm BBC One. It doesn't come bigger than that. And that could go either way. Tune in tomorrow to find out which way you think it's going to go. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
He's the sensational stand-up with a comedy Midas touch. Series 3 of Robin Ramesh Versus is available on demand via SkyQ now, and the second series of his brilliant Lockdown Parenting Hell podcast is alive and kicking. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the marvellous Mayor for the South. It's Rob Beckett! All right, Robert! Morning! 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 Very well, how are you? Yeah, I feel alive, Chris. I yeah, feel good. It feels like that at the moment, doesn't it? I, I, I've been listening to your podcast over the last few weeks. It is the funniest podcast I've ever heard, Rob. Ever. Ever. Oh, stop it. No, Don't be silly. You're serious. I'm not, I'm not joking. Are you, you, oh, might, you, you. you might be on it and you make me laugh all the time I listen to it. But, you know, I'm a big fan of American podcasts. Uh, but th- your podcast, yours and Josh's podcast, is the funniest. Um, and it's about lockdown parenting. It's hilarious. Everyone should listen to it. Uh, sometimes they have guests, sometimes they don't. They always say they do at the beginning of each episode, but sometimes they don't. That's a big con. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you also have the shortest sponsorship mention ever. Your Andrex um, top of the podcast sponsorship mention is about yeah. four seconds. How did you get away with that? I think it's because the show's so good. They can't. Mind, do you know what I mean? That's, I think that's the way to do it, you know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't get involved in all that stuff. I knew, but, uh, yeah, I, no, I knew. We, we love doing the show, yeah, of course, you do. And uh, the ads are funny because you, you actually do do a longer Andrex ad uh, within the yeah. show itself. Uh, so you've got Andrex as one of your advertisers, you've got moneysupermarket.com as well. Do you and Josh, do you know, did you, do you have chats about who you want to advertise on your show, or are you happy to just <laughs> completely prostitute yourselves for the biggest check? Well, I'll be let's face facts, the theater's been shut for a year yes, so maybe yes. I'll maybe more open to things but no we do we do always uh, check stuff first to make sure it's stuff that we use or we're, we're okay with do you know what I mean so yeah, yeah no we read it like that but um but yeah we just um but yeah it's just been so it's been a bit of a surprise really we sort of did it because we were bored and mm. like we wanted to get away from our children so we thought let's monetize them if they're going to be annoying us all day but no the truth was we just wanted an outlet to talk about how difficult it was with kids in lockdown kids are a nightmare at the best of times and it's been nice to create this little community where people on their walk or their exercise have a little hour to sort of laugh about and laugh at us with us struggling. So it, it creates a nice place. It is really funny as well. It's honestly, it's so, it's so, it's warm and funny. It's warm and edgy, and warm and edgy is sort of impossible. But you and Josh really pull it off. Do you record it at, at well separately, but at, at home? I'm presuming both of you. Yeah, so we do it at home separately and stuff. And the beauty of it, because it's a parenting podcast, if it is interrupted by screaming kids, Doesn't it matter. adds to the show. Yeah. You know, so, um, but no, we, yeah, it's just, we love, uh, for me, it's just nice that we get so many messages that people say they've been really struggling, it's really difficult, but being able to just laugh about it and make it fun really, really helps. And we're just brutally honest on it, which sometimes I don't think people in the public eye are, but we, we are always as honest as we possibly can be. Yeah, but not for the sake of it either, because, you know, no. som- sometimes you hear podcasts where you can sort of smell that, but this is, you you nail it, and you get on so well, obviously, and I was saying before, you know, you have a gang, don't you? You guys have a gang of, of comedy pals. Who is in the unofficial gang, would you say? Uh, well, I think it's been sort of all came through at the same time, but like uh, off the, uh, on the back of like, the, you know, when like Mark the Week was quite aggressive and quite angry, we yes. came through after that and it was quite collaborative, we looked after each other. I think we came through, especially when mental health was more on the agenda. So, you know, like me, Josh Widdicombe, Tom Allen, Ramesh Ranganathan, James A. Caster, Catherine Ryan, Joe Lysett, we all sort of were quite good at texting each other, saying, you're right, mate, how's it going, and things like that. And I think that comes through in the podcast. But, yeah. you know, I actually care about how Josh is getting all of his kids, not going, yeah, he's stressed, he'll be rubbish on Mock the Week this week. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that kind of attitude. And, and it's called Lockdown Parenting Hell. You know, if June yeah. the 21st happens, what happens to the podcast? Well, we, we, can, we, can ask, we can open it up to the listeners and see what... 
think it'd just be called Parenting Hell, and I think that we'd still get enough letters and emails in talking about it. But I mean, you know, if the people still want it, I think we'll still do it. It's so much fun. Yeah, and why wouldn't they want it? And uh, how long is the deal with Andrex? And how how much Andrex can two two comedians sell in one year? Well, I don't know. I, do, I mean, clean, clean. You know, I can't remember how clean is clean or something, isn't it? But um, I don't know. If people want to buy, you can sponsor it if you want. Chris, you're loaded, isn't you? Do you want yeah, to sponsor it? Absolutely. You minted, minted beyond. No, just, I'll just send you money anyway. You don't have to mention us. Oh, thanks, it's mate. Fine. Great. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> and um, before you go, the other thing I was going to string together but I didn't have time when I came in we played lo- loads of the podcast out this morning various different uh, loads of letters about the bus driver bursting into tears that was hilarious yeah. about oh, the la- this is people crying at things that they wouldn't otherwise um, apart from the fact they're in lockdown the lady who just burst yeah. into tears at the sight of a cheesecake on, on Instagram because <laughs> she couldn't <laughs> It's so oh, hard at the moment. Everything just can set you off. It was so I, funny. Like, if I just see a cute kid, I've gone. Uh, but the other thing I was going to um, string together, but we didn't have time. I haven't told the team, in fact, was was Josh's laughs. Because I don't know if Josh smokes or not, but if he doesn't, he's got the he's got the the most extreme smokers, non-smokers laugh. Because he wheezes. Uh, he don't, yeah. I'm, I'm presuming he doesn't smoke. No, he doesn't. He doesn't smoke. He, um, he's not a smoker at all. But he's just got one of those sort of dirty laughs. <laughs> I think if he did smoke, he, he could take over Sid James with the dirty laugh. But yeah, he's laughed incredible. And you're on I a think, you're on a diet at the moment as well, aren't you? Yeah, I've started doing keto diet. Uh, I've never done it before, yeah. and um, it's quite it's quite good actually. I feel a lot more energetic and stuff. Just basically no carbs or sugar. You sort of have protein and some fat and stuff. But okay. I just sort of did it to distract me from being the same. You know, if you've got something to think about with your food, it gives you something to think about all day, doesn't it? Yeah, and how's the hair? <laughs> how's how's the lovely luscious locks going? Uh, the hair is. I mean, it, it looks like me and Claire Baldwin are sharing heads. But it's so long and thick and exactly the same as hers. So I don't know what I'm going to do. How, how ironic to have a big hair conversation about somebody who's called Balding. But anyway, there you go. Yeah, I know. Uh, it must be an absolute nightmare. Uh, Rob, it's lovely to speak to you. Congratulations. You, you really bring a smile to people's faces. And I, I, I'm thanking you on their behalf. And also, I'm just thanking you because you do it to me as well. So well done to you oh, and Josh. thank and you. I feel it's mutual. It's Lots a pleasure to be on the show, Chris. Thank you. Mate, you're always welcome. There's always a place for you here. That is the fantastic Rob Beckett talking about his podcast. And uh, Rob and Ramesh Versus, that's on Sky, of course, on Sky. Sky One and the podcast is called Lockdown Parenting Hell and you've got to get it into your life from wherever you get your podcast, my friends. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If wild animals are running riot, our next guest is the only man you need to bring them in. His new film, Animals on the Loose, a you versus wild movie is available now on Netflix via Sky Q and here to tell us more is someone that'll capture both your heart and a baboon. It's Bear Grylls! All right, Bear? <laughs> oh, you guys crack me up. How are you, Chris? <laughs> say, it like, oh. say it like you mean it. Um, no, but <laughs> Bear, I can't tell you how good this film is of yours on Netflix. It had us spellbound last night. I've taken a picture of all the family watching, including the twins, who are only just two, who seem to know exactly what was going on and which buttons to press. For people who have no idea what I'm talking about, can you enlighten them, please? Oh, you're so kind. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. It's very. You're right. It's intuitive. It's it's fun. The the premise is how do you describe it? It's basically uh, uh, it's a film meets uh, reality meets interactivity. So uh, we did we did this for Netflix last year. We did a, a TV season of it called You Versus Wild, where I go on all these adventures, and you, the viewer, get to decide what I do. Do we cross the river? You. You know, swim the, the crocodiles or make a raft or you decide and you press the remote. 
And that did really well for Netflix. And they said, well, let's make a movie of this. So uh, we've made two movies. This is the first one just out uh, called Animals on the Loose, all rooted in conservation and positive good messages, but super fun adventure based in Africa. Uh, animals escape from this from this uh, game conservancy, and it's up to you and me to help get the lions back and protect the elephants and the poachers and track down you know the the leopards and the baboons. So so yeah, so I'm really touched. Your guys are playing it. It's been amazing. It went to number two on Netflix last week, so that's been. Um, an adventure in itself but um yeah really proud to see it out there well it's amazing but and my kids couldn't believe even though he's 12 and you know he's a very old 12 he couldn't believe that he could sort of not tell you what to do but suggest and guide you what to do next it's quite incredible obviously you have to film all options how do you know how it works technically well it's funny because i'm so impatient with filming you know it's why it's why i love our sort of running wild type shows where it's just you know, me and a guest and a, and a cameraman and we gun it and we go. But obviously this is a totally different beast than looking at the kind of, you know, the tree branches and roadmaps of how they had to do this. There's so many different options. And then suddenly you find yourself shooting up this way. And then it kind of, you know, so it was, it was a, it was a complicated thing to film, but we had a brilliant team on it. And, you know, it's meant to be just a really fun adventure and positive messages and, you know, all that good stuff. But what, the one thing that came out from the first season, everyone was going, we're trying to get you killed. And it was like, well, on that one, you can't get me killed. On this one, there is one branch or one avenue down one kind of thread of the mission where I do come potentially a cropper. <laughs> well, you've sort of given, <laughs> you've sort of given <laughs> away. On the hunt uh, for it. <laughs> well, what do we do about kids' trauma thinking they've killed Bear grills? Do we have to tell... It's like, <clears throat> what, can, you, can you guide us in this conversation? Because we're trying to guide you in the wild. Can you guide us back at home, you know, in front well, of our laptops when our kids think they've just killed their hero? Well, well don't worry, because it's, um, it turns out to be a bad dream and I'm shaking back into life and then we're, we're running <laughs> off being chased by another baboon <laughs> or lion somewhere else, so... It all works out okay in the end. All right. <laughs> my favourite. Well, it's all... I say my favourite. It's just all good. It was, there was no lull in it at all. I liked the... Um, do you build a raft? Do you swim? Or do you climb over the rocks? Um, I mean, I wanted to see you swim. The kids wanted to see you build a raft. Um it's just so much fun putting those options together. And, of course, you can do all. Rachel, who's here, who you know, um, Rachel was particularly worried about you and the snake. Yeah, hi, Bear. I watched the movie last night with my three boys, who are 8, 10 and 11. And like Chris's kids, they were absolutely obsessed with it. They've watched the entire previous TV series on Netflix, so they were really excited when they saw there was a movie version. But we couldn't get over you in the in the canyon with the, with the snake. Was it a boa constrictor? And it was properly around your neck in water it was a showbiz snake it was I never going to harm I was very concerned it. about how you filmed that I think it was a real snake <laughs> yeah it was a real snake yeah we had we had you know various wranglers standing by and stuff and um, you know it's just I mean listen I've spent a lot of time doing this sort of stuff I, we're, we're smart and we're cautious with it but you've got to be careful I mean with snakes around necks in water when they're big and powerful you just got to make sure you've always got a hand on the side of your neck so it can't it can't totally get 100% around your neck. So you've always got a hand inside there. Uh, so if you need be, and then you've got signals and arrangements with the animal wranglers. If you're really in trouble, if you're taken down underwater for more than, you know, 15 seconds, they'll get in and they'll help start trying to unwrap it and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, um, hey, it's all part of the adventure. 
I love it. I love it. And of course, when you're number two on Netflix, you're not number two in like, you know, Wales or Warrington or Wolverhampton. You're number two all over the world because that's how it works, isn't it, Bear? Um, it is, although they have regions as well, so they can they can really analyse all the sort of data on it. I mean, listen, I take that side of my work always with a pinch of salt. You know what I love? I love the adventures. I love the team we film with. I love the kind of messages always. And, you know, we, we do different shows on different networks. We try and keep the values the same. You know, you've got to, life is a gift. You've got to go for it. You've got to hold your friends close. You know, embrace a bit of failure. Go the extra mile. Never give up. You know, and we try and get that to thread through all of our shows. I mean, we just did an ITV one with Johnny Wilkinson this week that comes out in a couple of weeks. And, you know, exactly the same with him. What an inspiration of a guy. He was, and, and same messages, you know, resilience and fight through the storms. And look, we're all going through it a little bit this year, aren't we? Yeah, uh, great to talk to you, man. Have a great weekend. Take care. Awesome. Love to the family. Love to your family too. Animals on the Loose, a You versus Wild movie out now via Sky Q on Netflix. It was number two. I suspect it'll go to number one this weekend. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So we've heard from some undeniably top draw guests already, but there's still so much more to come. Singer-songwriter extraordinaire Jade Bird, still only 23, how very dare she, takes us through her incredible new single, Open Up the Heavens. Chris Packham has a nifty nature natter with news of his latest BBC Two series, Animal Einsteins. Super psychologist Adam Grant shares all about his mind-boggling new book, Think Again. And the ever-joyful Josh Widdicombe delivers the giggles with what to expect from series three of Hypothetical on Dave. All of that and more still to come so let's get right back to the action dapper dave who's next here's football was poetry in motion and his broadcasting is exactly the same his new podcast ian writes everyday people launched this week and here to inspire us with real stories from real people is a man that's sometimes wrong but always right it's the legendary ian wright all right righty <laughs> what's happening chris my friend from way back when yeah. what's happening right 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 um everything <laughs> every what's not happening in look th- there's oh, there's a rainbow on the horizon and it, it's called the end of lockdown how's it been for you um it's been very tough chris simply because i'm so bad in respect of trying to help my 11-year-old and my 8-year-old with their homeschooling <laughs> that I literally hide in I hide round corners. Especially if my missus goes to the shop, I hide round corners with certain fractions and stuff, what they've got to do. Yeah. I'm literally petrified. But in the main, we've got through it. That's the main thing. We're getting through it. Yeah. Uh, how ironic that you say that about you sort of filling in as a teacher when it, we're here to talk about your podcast now, Ian Wright's Everyday yes. People, which is a story of inspiring people for us all to be inspired by, but the seed mm. of which was sown um, yeah. by a teacher of yours. Now, you've had us all in tears over the last <laughs> few days because we've been, first of all, we heard this clip of you and your old teacher, Mr. Pigeon, and then we all went to, to watch the video. And your face, my friend, Rachel, over to you, because you you saw it last. Hi. Ian, I, I've just watched. Hi, I've just watched the video, and and, mm. and you're stood in a football stadium, big smile on mm. your face, 
and, and you hear a voice and you turn around and, and your face turns into the face of a small boy when you realise oh who God. it is. And yeah. I was just in floods of tears. It's incredibly she's, powerful. She's literally just stopped crying, Ian, and I'm not joking. She's, in fact, she's still, she's still actually crying. So you know, Chris, the, the thing is, is that um, th- that man literally put me on the road for, for, for me to be anything what I am today. I was, yeah. I was seven. You know, it was 50 years ago. He saw me in the corridor and he realised that this guy's been in this corridor too many times. He gave me responsibility. He gave me a sense of work when I was seven, when I, was seven, when I felt like nobody at the yeah. time and it was really tough in the household at the time. He's giving me the kind of love and attention that, you know, you need as a seven-year-old. He gave it to me in abundance and more. Okay. And more. For people who haven't seen that clip, where did you find it, Rachel? I just Googled it. What did you, did, go- what did you Google? Ian Wright Pigeon, and it came right out. <laughs> Mr. Pigden. Yeah. Pigden. 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 All right, so Ian Wright and Mr. Pigden. So we've got the audio. Let's just play that for people listening to the radio now. Here we go. Hello, Ian. Long time no see. Mr. Pigden. <laughs> You're alive. I'm alive, he says. How are you doing? I can't believe it. Someone said you was dead. As you see, I'm very patient, and I'm so glad you've done so well with yourself. I don't know what to say. God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. See, we've all gone again now. What's it like listening? <laughs> What's it like listening back to that for you? You know something? I literally I can't watch it because every time I, I hear the bit when he says, "I'm so proud of what you've done and what you're doing," I can't get I can't get past it. Oh. Ooh, see ya. Um, what makes you uh, so emotional about that? Is it the love, Ian? Is it is it yeah. is it the is it the sort of is it is it um, deferred fear of what what might your life might have been is it relief absolutely chris absolutely chris because like i say i was having a real problem in school at the time learning and the problem i had was once i couldn't quite grasp what that meant in the lesson i just got disruptive and and the teacher was just like had no time for me and you know being in the household i was in it was wasn't a very lovable place and it wasn't a place of where you can get that kind of love and support and so when you go to school and you get a teacher like Mr. Pigden and also a lovely lady, a lovely teacher called Mrs. Dance as well, they were magnificent to me and really cared about me. And it's like when you get to that age and you're starting to feel that people care about you, you, just, you respond. You respond to that. That's all, that's all any of us want to know, isn't it? We want, to, we want to, to know that somebody might be there to listen to us and might be there Absolutely. to love us and might be there to, to have our back when we, we can't have it for ourselves. Right, yeah. so, so you are the perfect man for this podcast. It is the perfect well, podcast for you, for your guests and for us to listen to. It's Ian Wright's Everyday People. Tell us who you met in episode one and who you might be meeting in subsequent episodes. Well, we met Chris Brannigan in episode one. He's done a 700-mile walk barefooted for his daughter, Asti, who has CDLS, rare diseases which has gone on to do unbelievable things in respect of um, creating awareness for rare diseases for kids. And then Mel Tate, um, the mother, the, the mother that's, that had an ordeal what every parent would dread. You know, she got the phone call that her son's been in, a, in an altercation. In fact, it was, you know, he was tragically murdered. And uh, she had to, on the way to the hospital, she had to find out about the fact that she might have to donate his organs. So she had to make decisions on the way. And that was unbelievable. But the thing with the the stories and these people is how resilient they are, selfless, and how inspiring they are. It's the same as Manira um, Mahmood, who lived on the fifth floor at Grenfell. When she tells the story of her friend who lived on the 23rd floor, 
And then, you know, everything that was happening that day, and, oh, gosh, even when I think of it now, and the fact that then she was in accommodation, temporary accommodation, and, you know, she, she needed to, to get food for her family and people around, and she started the Hub Community Kitchen. And, you know, when you hear the stories and the selflessness, like I say, and the fact that all they're thinking about is helping other people and what they've got to do, it's like, it's amazing. Like, Jordan's organs went on to save 11 people. And what he, Jordan found, Jordan Senate Foundation does around the world for kids and underprivileged kids is just amazing, you know. So these stories, I, you can see, I was crying literally all the way through. It's yeah. quite embarrassing. Some of the times, <laughs> those people were saying to me, it's okay, Ian, it's okay. You know what I mean? It was so unbelievably inspiring to listen to them. And like, I remember when Chris was leaving and he had to walk down the road, I said, look, it's like Superman dressed as Clark Kent. People don't realise they're walking amongst a massive superhero yeah, yeah. Ian Wright's okay. Everyday People episode 1 available now episode 2 out next Tuesday 2nd of March from wherever you get your podcast they're about 40, between 40 and 50 minutes the first one's 42 minutes beautifully put together really really well produced professional proper proper job uh, but Ian before we before you go one more mm-hmm. time just to check hello Ian <laughs> long time no see Mr. Pigler that's cruel <laughs> that's cruel I'm alive, he says. How are you doing? I can't believe it. Someone said you was dead. As you see, I'm very passionate, and I'm so glad you've done so well with yourself. I don't know what to say. God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. See you, righty. Well, they will come on the show. We do warn them beforehand. <laughs> Cheers, Ian. Ta-da. Thanks a lot, Chris. Bye, my friend. OK, Pat, you're very welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's a star of stand-up, a prince of podcasting, a titan of telly, and he just keeps hitting the bullseye. Series 3 of Hypothetical continues tonight at 10pm on Dave, and here to tell us more is a man that's just making it up as he goes along, but in a good way. It's the always <laughs> superb Josh Whittacombe! All right, Josh! Hello, how are you? Uh, very well, how are you? I'm all right, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Chris. Go on. I didn't, I didn't make it home from nursery in the car. I, I misjudged the timings, so I'm currently sitting in the car outside my daughter's nursery. Well, why would you be tempted to lie about that anyway? Well, I'll tell you why, Chris, Mm. because it's residential parking and I shouldn't be here. (laughs) So I'm checking my shoulder at all points throughout the interview for a traffic warden. I see, I see. Um, See, I don't so much mind the traffic warden, and I know you can afford the fine, but I'm worried about the residents who might need to park. Is there anybody looking angst-ridden, you know, verging on... Parking gap. See, this road, gap. R- this road rage, is there parking rage? There, I, there, I, no, I don't think there is parking rage. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm blending in. No one would know that I don't live here. I'm absolutely keeping my uh, head down. See, and do you, do you live... Are you in a bit of... Are you in a posher part of London? I'm in East London, which has posher parts and less posh parts. Right. And you can go from one to the other in, in around 3.5 seconds. That was a very political answer. Are you in a posh part? I am, yes. Yes, okay, good. Uh, so, you know, now, now, the thing I find very suspicious, not about you being in a posh part of London whatsoever, I don't mind that at all. And why would I? And if I did, then that's my issue, not yours. But what I find very suspicious about all the residents parking in posh parts of London at the moment is there are loads of gaps, right? And yeah. lots of those people, one would imagine, may have a second home. 
and they shouldn't be in it, but they clearly are. Of course, yeah. And, and that's what because residence parking places now should be ram-packed. They should be bumper to bumper, shouldn't they? Really? Yes, yes. And I've, do you know what? I've never found parking as easy as I have in the last month. <laughs> exactly, because everybody's having it away in the country when they shouldn't be. Anyway, uh, that's another story. Is it true, Josh? Could you? Could you? Because you comedians are. I have such an appreciation for comedians' minds. I'm envious. I'm ab- ab- admiring of your of your minds. I know that comedians, when they go to parties, the first thing they do when they were younger, the first thing they did was try and get a drink. Uh, the second thing they did was try and perhaps, you know, bag a partner for the night or for the weekend. Right, but yeah. as you get older, what I hear is you just try and find another comedian before anything else. Because comedians need to talk to comedians most of the time because you talk a different language and you think a different world. What's that like? Oh, wow. Um, I am on a WhatsApp group with 10 other comedians yeah. and it goes on all day. And that is, yeah, that's kind of... The thing that keeps me going in a weird way, in that it, it and it's, but the problem is, right, it's been going on for about three years, and you are right, there's so many in jokes, it's become a different language. You couldn't put, I'd say, ev- everything is kind of a reference to something that previously happened. Yeah. Um, and I'll try and talk to my wife about this WhatsApp group, and she looks at me like I'm the most boring, kind of tedious man in the world, and I'm sure I am, but it, it, yeah, you're right. It is a different world, but you're, you've got a mind like that, Chris. I was listening to you, you know, I've been listening for the last 25 minutes. That's exactly the same. It's the same world, isn't it? It's questioning, yeah, but it's without the wit, so there's a bit missing. And I think a lot of DJs like that, they want to be comedians, and that's why a lot of comedians um, get riled by DJs, because they've got regular jobs and a decent income, and some, you know, some of us have nice houses. And, but comedians are far funnier, and often far cleverer, because they do say often that comedy is in intellect at play. And you have to have the extra capacity of your intelligence in order to then, you know, um, have the luxury uh, of playing with it. But what I find with comedians is, you know, you get two comedians together, which is why I love comedians in cars getting coffee, because as a, mm. as a spectator sport, you know, I've been around comedians talking to comedians at parties and in, you know, house parties and at work, you know, and it's, it's not that we are, it's, it's restricted, um, admission for the rest of us you know we are allowed in the conversation but there's sort of no point and for a few years you try but you you are the way that you dis- dissemble the world and then put it back together in an instant almost before you possibly could have thought about it where does that come from can that be learned behavior yes i think it can i think i think to be kind of uh overly analytical about the whole thing. I think a lot of comedy is like a kind of mathematical thing that you don't realise you're doing, Hmm. which is just comparing two things and finding the difference and finding the similarity. And that's where kind of loads and loads of jokes come from. And so the longer you work in comedy, like here's a good example. So Alex Brooker, who is on The Last Leg with me, he started, he wasn't in comedy, but he's been doing The Last Leg for eight years. And you can see in the meetings, he now has totally kind of changed. So he, he is a comedian, if you know what I mean. It can be a learnt thing, right. even if you're doing it subconsciously. Right, 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 right. And do you know when you're thinking comedically, or can you choose to, to, to go left or right from a, from a thought point of view, or are you just always on? No, I'm not always on. I can't, I can't stand people that are always on. Right. I, I, I think that's just tiring. I think, um, no, I, and I think the worst thing is like, when you're when you're trying to think comedically, it's probably when you're laughing the least. 
if you know what I mean, when you're writing for a show or something, yeah. you're taking it very seriously. Right. And actually, that's when you're... If you hear, if you go to a TV company mm. and you see some people laughing, uh, working on a comedy show, they're not talking about the comedy show. They're talking about something else completely. Right. Because there's no laughs when you're talking about the show. Right. Okay. Jerry Seinfeld asked, um, can't remember who it was, somebody else very, very funny. He said, what do you think when people who aren't comedians try and make you laugh? How do you react to that? I thought it was a great question. <laughs> Made my blood run cold, by the way. <laughs> Can you answer that same question for me? Yeah, I think that's... I, I, the only thing is, uh, if someone says, I've got a joke for you, yeah. I would rather just a meteorite hit the world than the, um, than the conversation continued. Right. Uh, I've got a joke for you is, is, an, is a nightmare. And because obviously, obviously, Chris, I'm polite enough to go through the charade of the joke. Yeah. But beyond that, um, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be take the Seinfeldian approach to that. I'm all right with that. Um, Josh, <laughs> thanks so much for being on the program. Thanks, mate. Always a pleasure. All right. Hypothetical episode three tonight, 10 p.m. Dave, catch up on UK TV play when now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Think of our next guest as a funky Attenborough. His new show, Chris Packham's Animal Einsteins, continues this Sunday <laughs> at 8pm on BBC Two. So if you've wondered if bees can play football, then wonder no more as we welcome the coolest of all the cats. It's the wonderful Chris Packham. Hello, Christopher. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations. Great show, as always. I don't think you... Have you ever done... Have you ever... Have you ever, has a show of yours ever bombed? I can't recall one that has. Hold, hold on a minute. I think it must have done in the past. I don't yeah, think I'm sure so. we've all got a few of those, but we keep them firmly closed in our closets, don't we? I don't think you have, Chris, because you, of course, you have you have the cast that I for. You have the Animal Kingdom, who just never let us down with drama and comedy and love and affection and warmth and inspiration. So, Animal Einstein's great idea for a show. Whose idea was it? When did this title come on your radar? I bet that was a good day well, in the office. We've been really interested in animal cognition for some time, and we did make a show a few years ago called Inside the Animal Mind. And at that point, we were on the cusp of a number of new discoveries. The scientists were being quite cagey about what they were prepared to say on TV, if you like, but they seem to have broken through their barrier now. You see, the, one of the trouble, Chris, with studying animal cognition in the field is if you see something, an animal doing something outside, a wild animal, um, and it appears to be intelligent, you can't then test it by asking it to do it again. So it becomes an observational science. And what we like to do as scientists is have everything under controlled conditions where we conduct a test or an experiment and then we repeat it and we contrast it uh, with something which is a, a control as we call it and then we can add it all up analyze it and publish it but when you're watching animals outside you've got to be quite brave to say do you know what i think those chimpanzees are using gestures um, <laughs> and now we find our scientists have summoned that bravery so we thought it was making a, uh, worth making another series and bringing everyone up to date with what we know about animals minds in terms of their smartness their cleverness or their intelligence and so who came up with the name animal einstein's well, you know what it's like at the BBC. A, co a committee, of course. It, it, it went through all sorts of names before it finally got well, to the screen. Well, it's a good name. We, we, we wanted to imply that these animals have that genius factor. And if you've watched the first programme, you'll know that some of them certainly do. And there's plenty more to come. Some astonishing revelations, to be quite honest with no, you. No, I loved it. I, I've watched uh, all three episodes that I was sent, including the first that's been out, the second that's on this Sunday, and the, the one uh, for a week Sunday. So who are the runners and riders for people who haven't seen what we've seen and you've made? Who are the runners and riders and who are the hot favourites for the title of Animal Einstein? 
Well, we always like to think of our closest relatives, the great apes, as being closest to us in terms of intelligence. And as we've seen already, chimpanzees will use gestures. They will have little subtle signs. What's interesting, and as I show in the program, is that if I and you as humans look at the chimpanzees' gestures, we can recognize a very high percentage of them. So they cross that species barrier, again, alluding to the fact that they are quite closely related to us in the way that they think. But what I like is when we take other animals that we're very familiar with, that we previously thought are intelligent, but the scientists have said, well, not really. Things like our dogs. And in you know, it's last Sunday's program, we showed that dogs perhaps have a theory of mind. They know themselves as individuals. They know other dogs as individuals, uh, but they don't do it using their eyes. They do it using their nose. And one other test that we've got coming up is emotional intelligence in horses. And I like this one because it was such a simple test. So scientists <laughs> got some horses and they took some photographs of people that the horses had never seen before. And they got them to people to do one of two things. One looked smiley and happy in the photographs and the other ones looked very angry and very cross in the photographs. And they showed the horses the photographs of the two groups of people, one smiley, one looking pretty angry. And then they introduced the horses to the real people and saw what their reaction was. Now, the horses, when they met the people whose photographs had been smiley and happy, came up and virtually in a horsey way cuddled them. When they saw the people that they'd previously seen, you know, um, frowning and growling, as it were, they were really standoffish. Was this shows that horses have the capacity not only to recognize humans as individuals, which we obviously new anyway, because owners will tell you that, but also they are predisposed to make decisions about what they're going to think about people even before they meet them. I love it. I love it. And of course, as, as with us humans, different animals have different kind of, kinds of talent. And I love the section you have on the best communicators. And I love the fact that perhaps nature has sorted out so we can't hear everything that's communicating with other things for our own benefit because we would literally have communication overload and nature nature's meant that to happen hasn't it hasn't she Yes, it has. It, it, nature's got filters in there. We've all got to be able to optimise what we do to maximise our resources and our time, energy budgets. And if we're distracted by too much other stuff or any species are distracted by that, then that's going to impinge on that ability. Uh, what we've got to think of is that whilst we have the luxury of, of time to do other things, invent art, change languages, write music, have discussions like we're doing at the moment, the rest of the wild world out there is living on a razor's edge where it's trying to survive from day to day so the last thing it needs is any confusion and being as smart as it needs to be in its niche is absolutely essential but i've got to tell you one more great story if you've got time yeah of course. it's Aust australian cuttlefish so there's a thing called the giant Australian cuttlefish and the males are larger than the females and size is important. The females will gravitate to the largest males. So what a male, large male cuttlefish will do is when it gets a female, it will what we do, what we call mate guard it. It will stick with it until it's ready to mate so that no other males can sneak in. So in that in, in, in instance, you've got a large male cuttlefish literally hovering over the smaller female underneath. But in this species, smaller male cuttlefish have the capacity to disguise themselves as females. 
So what they'll do is they'll approach the larger male and the female that he's got, pretending to be a female. He will think, yippee, my, my luck's in. I've got not one, but two females. The smaller male looking like a female will sneak under, underneath him <laughs> and then mate with the female whilst he's not watching. And I've and had, I've had mates like that. Clever, if you think that's clever, I can take it one step further. On. There's another thing called the morning cuttlefish. Yes. And what that does is the same thing, except that it, it splits its body. So half its body looks like a, a, a female, so it can sneak under the male. And half of its body, literally split down the middle, looks like a male, so it can then be attractive to the female and mate with it. Well, you're awesome, Chris. Thanks so much for your programme. Thanks for your work. Pleasure. Nice to meet you. I'll we'll see you again. <laughs> Standard IQ, yeah, ta-da. OK, got another one now. Uh, Chris Packham's Adam Einstein's BBC Two, 8pm Sundays. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. From Northumberland via Germany, Wales and now Texas, our next guest talent is matched only by her air miles. Her new single, Open Up the Heavens, <laughs> is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, we've heard the word about the bird, 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 and that word is great. It's Jade Bird! Hello, Jade! Hey, Chris, how are you doing? You all right? I'm doing very well. Thank you for staying up late, getting up early which option have you gone for oh definitely staying up late yeah i'm a night owl anyway so it fitted into the schedule yeah right what <laughs> time is it where precisely are you uh, it's 3 30 a.m and i'm in austin texas in the east uh, of austin right now everybody's raving about austin texas this has been a mass exodus from los angeles to austin texas can you Tell us how come you're there and tell us what it's like there, please. Um, so my buddy, um, who was a videographer and kind of toured with us for like literally three years, was renewing his lease here. And we've always been on about kind of moving over here. Honestly, to be honest with you, as a young artist and, and a young person like London was a bit too expensive for me. Um, and, and believe it or not, in a roundabout way, Austin was a bit cheaper uh, to live. Um, so I kind of, I yeah, I came over here with my partner and him and we've been living here for a few months now. So and what's got the, a what, dog and everything. Because I hear the vibe is amazing. And I hear, I hear you when it comes to cost, because even like whether it's high end houses or like you say, flats or apartments, it's, it's so much cheaper than, you know, it's sort of cultural um, um, cousin, Los Angeles. So, so I hear what you're saying there. It is, of course, landlocked, but there's a, there's a massive river and there are shores and there are, you can actually go to beaches, can't you? But they're just not beaches by the sea. Uh, in Austin, I'm not sure. I haven't seen any beaches. Um, it's mainly kind of like, I've been terrified of snakes, but kind of off the beaten track trails and stuff like that. I mean, I miss the British countryside. You've got we got a lot more freedom over there. You know, now here you're, you're a bit fearful of the old uh, guns <laughs> on private property. Um, but So I miss that a little bit. But it's, uh, it's turned out really well. You know, I like it here. I like having my own house. I've never moved out before. So it's quite nice that, to be honest. Yeah, and the vibe, the musical vibe, the artistic vibe in Austin, Texas, is, is as I say, I've never been. And I, I really want to go. Just take us, take us, take, give us a sort of virtual tour. I mean, it's it's trickier at the minute given the um, given the climate. You know, it's not there's not the spirit of collaboration that there was. But for example, in South by Southwest, you know, there's a lot of um, small music venues um, that you kind of go, and it's like this this kind of week of just absolute chaos that you can play 10 gigs in five days like we did a, a year or two ago. Um, and yeah, everyone's very grounded. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the feeling, the sentiment that their personality is quite similar to the UK. I found, um, I found LA a little bit kind of in the clouds, maybe um, similar to New York. 
So I really enjoy that about Austin, it being quite, you know, a bit like the North, I guess. And how long, <laughs> how long might you be there for, do you think? Or do you, do you not do you not worry about stuff like that? Um, I mean, I'm living day by day these days, you see, Chris. Um, I We've got a year lease until January, I think. And then I'll rethink everything. As you know, this year has been, it's been mad for planning. I'm yeah. just sort of, uh, like I said, living, living a bit in the moment, I guess. So Glastonbury's off. Um, I don't know if you heard about this, but a couple of days ago, Reading and Leeds Festival says they are definitely back on. L- last night, Camp Festival said the same thing. We've got our car fest up and running again now. Um, what are you thinking festival-wise, summer, live music-wise? Yeah, I mean, anywhere that will have me, I think, especially in the UK, like I'm dying to get back, you know, not, not only to see family, but, you know, small gigs are just always where I seem to thrive. You know, like meeting people face to face, you know, being at the merch stand, like it's my lifeblood. So, you know, if Reddin and Leeds books women this year, <laughs> I might be on there. <laughs> okay, we'll now you, you burst onto the scene as not a precocious, but an unbelievably profoundly talented uh, teenager. But now you're 23. So so how has yeah. how has people reaction to you changed now? Because now you, you, are, you are a spirited young woman as opposed to an exciting, talented teenager. Have you, fe- have you felt yeah. a shift around that context? I think the shift in myself is so paramount that you sort of lose like less focus on on others and more on that it's just been a, a whole whirlwind uh, changing so much from 18 to 23 and and also just settling down for a year you know which is what we're all like musicians artists actors everybody's been you know told to do and, and has done it's just it's just kind of mad how much you get to know yourself but I think in terms of this album it's you know a hundred times better than the last one my writing is a hundred times better than what it was just the level of maturity just in life about my attitude to life I think you know it's all it's all changing for the better I'd say and Open Up The Heavens uh, released this week uh, from the new album now so far as as much as we're hearing the new album is untitled um, I'm not asking you (laughs) to tell me the title but does it have one and could you tell us if you wanted to yes I couldn't tell you if I wanted to because it's out in the summer. I'm holding on to it a bit. I'm being a bit precious just because I really want to wait until I've got at least some live news before I release too much. Right. You know, so, but it's, it is, it's got a concept and we're actually shooting the album cover next week. Um, so it's all, it's actually all there. I just, I have to be a bit, little bit precious yeah. just so everyone's excitement at least yeah, keeps no. up. You know what I mean? I love it. I love it. And totally, that makes me more excited. Uh, so, but like as an expecting parent you know expecting parents may have a few names in mind um for 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 their kiddies um mm-hmm. are we down to the one name are you, or are you still waiting to see if it's a boy or a girl and do you have a few options <laughs> i mean i didn't know if i was an album or a, or a baby or a dog i can wear that out um <laughs> i think as a as an album i think it's one option it's always been one option way before i even wrote the album it was a it was a sort of um sign of things to come like a premonition of this record so it's always been this concept hence probably why i'm being so precious about it usually i leak stuff but Good you know you. Good <laughs> you. it's the new it's the new sort of contemplative measured jade bird 23 you see this is what happens when you get old jade i know you start <laughs> you start slowing down don't you shut you're less up. about shut, taking over shut, the world and... <laughs> jade with the greatest respect shut up you're 23 thanks so much for talking to us well done on everything and hope to see you in the in person in the summer oh thanks so much chris thanks for having me on Take you're very care. welcome live from austin texas jade bird jade hyphen bird.com is where you need to go to find out more what's going on with jade new album out in the summer hopefully some live dates over here she is available for work the best of the chris evans breakfast show
Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He argues like he's right, listens like he's wrong, and is most definitely worth paying attention to. His new book, Think Again, is out now, and here to tell us how the right kind of thought can be taught is a man that's perfected the art of pondering. It's psychologist and author extraordinaire, Adam Grant. Good morning, good evening over there, Adam. Good morning, Chris. Great to be here. Oh, listen, thanks so much. Well done. Another great book from you. This is the book you were waiting for someone else to write, but they didn't, so you had to. Tell us about that prologue. <laughs> it was a little bit annoying. I, I just kept running into people who refused to change their minds. And I was hoping I could read a book about how to get better at opening the minds of closed-minded people. And I just kept waiting and waiting and no one wrote it. And finally, I decided (laughs) it was time for me to do it. All right. And so that was interesting. And then you start to write the book. You get two thirds of the way through it. And then a pal of yours points something out to you and you think, oh, no, I'm going to have to rewrite the whole book. So you did. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of feedback that... Well, first of all, we were going through a global pandemic that's forced us to rethink so many assumptions we did not want to question. Like, you know, can I eat indoors in a restaurant safely? And can I hug my loved ones who aren't in my bubble? And could I possibly get anything done working from home while I have three kids in online school? And I realized I needed to take that into account. Uh, which was a lot of rethinking and rewriting, but that's the point of the book, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a great story. I mean, I hope it happened because, of course, you did, you know, it was the big think again about the book called Think Again. And is it true that your friend said, um, I think that people, you could divide people into three categories, three sort of um, uh, pillars of the Think Again temple, which ironically also begin with P. So you've got preachers, prosecutors and politicians. Yeah, my colleague Phil Tetlock wrote this brilliant paper about how we spend way too much of our time thinking like preachers, prosecutors, and politicians. In preacher mode, we are basically trying to proselytize our sacred beliefs. In prosecutor mode, we're trying to win an argument. And in politician mode, we're trying to appeal to our tribe by campaigning and lobbying for their approval. And I worry a lot, Chris, that when we're stuck in preacher and prosecutor mode, we're not willing to think again. Because I'm right and you're wrong, which means you need to change your mind. But I get to stick to my convictions. And in politician mode, we're a little bit, it sounds like we're more flexible because I might tell you what I think you want to hear, but that doesn't mean I'm changing what I believe deep down. Right. So this is a good story and it's interesting, but it's not quite yet compelling. But it gets compelling when you tell us about what happened to BlackBerry when they didn't think again? They weren't even they were they were they weren't willing to rethink. What happened to Hey Blockbuster? What about those guys? And what about Kodak? So let's get into that. Oh, it's been so sad to watch all these companies fall apart. Uh, I think BlackBerry is a, a great example of the failure to rethink because they start out completely reimagining how we communicate. Yeah. Right. The idea that you can send work emails on the fly uh, basically takes over the world. And then they refuse to reimagine their product. They say, you know what? We're sure that everyone wants a keyboard just for work, not a touchscreen for home entertainment. They are worth over 70 billion US dollars. And it doesn't even occur to them to design a second kind of product. All they have is one product. And eventually the company just falls apart, not because of their failure at thinking, but their failure at rethinking what made them great in the first place. Which is extraordinary because, of course, one of your other other brilliant books is called Originals, and that's you know it's it's so the the thinking that got them to where they were was so original, but then it's almost like they're scared of having the, it's like second album syndrome in a band, maybe. Oh, that's a great comparison. It's like they they fell in love with their baby. They got too attached to this one idea that worked, yeah, and then that idea became their identity, 
and they were too reluctant to to say, okay, what what would we do differently if we were trying to put ourselves out of business? Yeah, and the, the almost travesty, not quite, but almost almost travesty, travesty where BlackBerry were concerned, are concerned, is that Steve Jobs was a very reluctant rethinker, but somehow the people around him, his, his what do you call them, the challenge team, the challenge, what do you call them? The challenge network. His challenge network somehow caught him at a weak moment and forced him to rethink the iPod into becoming a phone. And of course, you know, he he, he reaped the harvest that, that BlackBerry were more likely willing to sow, but didn't. Yeah, it was such an uphill battle for those Apple engineers and designers. They were telling him for years, we need to make a phone. And he was dead set against it. Sometimes he would actually throw his phone and smash it because he was so frustrated with how bad the technology was. (laughs) And he said, I will never be beholden to those carriers. Uh, They just they don't know how to run a successful business. They make terrible products. And eventually his engineers said, well, but what if Apple made it? Right. Where we could make something that's beautiful and elegant. We could crush Microsoft. And they just kept planting these seeds. Yeah, yeah. And one day he said, you know, I, I think we should make a phone. Uh, before you go, I know that you had a, a, a long conversation with our good friend Rich Roll. Is, is he now your BFF? I hope so. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping to earn that status. Okay. It was a great conversation. If you want to hear it, it's a couple of episodes ago on Rich Roll's podcast uh, with Adam. It's over two hours. You also have a great podcast yourself. And the last episode of that was JJ Abrams, the world-renowned director, uh, movie writer, interviewing you on your own podcast. How did you find that experience? <laughs> it was great fun. I was a little worried that JJ was going to steal my job, but... I feel like Star Wars has been keeping him pretty yeah, busy, so I, I'm good. We actually uh, we just released a new episode this morning on work life with Brene Brown, and I had such a blast rethinking what it means to be vulnerable and when it's okay to actually admit your insecurities and weaknesses at work. All right, what's the? I know you're you're, you're big into stats and research, and you always find evidence to put in your books because you are a scientist, um, you know, um, uh, by origin. What's the most fascinating stat you've come up with in the last or res, or, or discovered? In the last 28 days about anything oh, most fascinating stat in the last 28 days yeah. about G- give anything. or take give or take a few days oh i think if, if i had to pick a recent one it would be i learned that uh i guess the short version of this is that if you have a group of five people it's not until there are four women that the women start to take up as much airtime as the men. <laughs> right, okay. That's, that's why you weren't considered for drive time, and Rachel was. Uh, all right, Adam, thank you. So, thanks for staying up so late to talk to us. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, Adam Grant, uh, the author of Originals, the number one uh, New York Times bestselling author, has this out now. It's already in the top 10 in the New York Times bestselling list. It's called Think Again, and it's a fantastic read from a man who knows his onions and takes forever to get what he wants to end up perfect right the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky on virgin radio thank you so much for listening to this the podcast of the virgin radio breakfast show don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our virgin radio breakfast show with sky even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.